0: Welcome back, everybody. This is Eric and Matt, and this is Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit, your beacon of freedom and the American way of life. Tune in every Friday for a new episode as we dive into the world of liberty and what makes our country great. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Matt and Eric here with Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. I hope everybody's had a great week. We are diving into another episode. Hopefully, we're getting somewhat back on track. I apologize uh, for the lack of podcasts. Uh, Matt and I have both been very busy. We've had a lot going on with family and work. Um, you know, this podcast is sort of a hobby for us, but I really do enjoy this, and I like to get into some of these subjects, and uh, we really do want to ring the bell of freedom hard every day, day in and day out. So, uh, we really enjoy these podcasts where we deep dive into various subjects related to freedom and life and liberty and everything in between. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. Uh, today, I guess we're kind of touching on subjects that are a little bit more difficult and, uh, heavy hearted to talk about. We are going to be getting into the discussion of, uh, what was done wrong in Uvalde. And I mean, look, nobody likes a Monday quarterback and that's certainly not the, the way we want to approach this particular podcast, but we do want to talk about maybe some sustains, some improves, and uh just talk about, you know, the the, the terror of, of this horrible act and maybe, you know, talk about some solutions we could lay out to maybe help keep these things from happening in the future and everything like that. And Um, you know, before we get too far into today's podcast, I would like to thank our friends from RMA body armor for supporting today's podcast. If you use the code IV8888, you can receive a 10% discount. Uh, they are veteran owned and operated. Uh, all of their SKUs are amazing. We've done a ton of tests on their body armor. It's held up so well. Uh, if you're looking for body armor, check out RMA, really great group of people. Don't forget to use our code IV8888, and we definitely thank them for supporting LLP and for supporting Iraq Veteran 8888. Uh, remember, if you are listening to our podcast on all the various podcast forums, be it um, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever we might be showing up, be sure to leave us a glowing review that helps us uh, show up in the search algorithm a little bit better, helps us in our standing. Um, Also here, if you're watching us on YouTube in video form, we post our video version of this podcast every Saturday. The audio goes up a day prior. So if you'd like to listen in early, you get to get early access if you follow us over on all the other podcast forms. So without
1: further ado, we're going to get into this. And, uh, Matt, have you had a good week? Yeah, man. We, like you said, we've been super busy, just life, uh, liberty. You know, I was going to do a pun there, but we're good. We know what we're listening to. Um, yeah, I just, you know, like you said, it, it is a hobby, but it's a hobby that we enjoy doing. Um, and I enjoy doing it. Um, fortunately for us, it's a weekly show and not a daily show. So we're not having to like do this every day, uh, because that would be, that would be very difficult. With, yeah. with with the the busy lives that we be, that we both lead, well, we've definitely been trying to
0: you know up the production quality, better lighting. Uh, hopefully, you guys notice a bit. We're we're trying to up the quality, and uh, I know I mentioned this in last week's podcast uh, that we did, but I'll mention it again. We are going to start bringing on some awesome guests, so expect that. And yes, we do have more flights on the way, so just a little bit of a uh, housekeeping there in that regard. Uh, we we did use uh, some of the money that we earned off of t shirt sales from Ballistic Inc. Uh, to procure uh, some new chairs which is great because our old chairs are kind of crappy oh yeah uh, we added a new monitor here so we got a little bit better audio equipment also added an ipad here so we can have you know, i had that computer in the way so now we got a little bit less in the way so just some housekeeping there um you know we're trying to put money back into the into the podcast so we hope you you know hopefully enjoy the better audio quality i know some folks were asking about that but without further ado Let's get into this. I know this is a serious subject. We're going to talk about some things that might upset some people. And listen, we're all adults here. We're going to try to be respectful as we can and try to approach
1: this from a logical, uh, you know, sort of a viewpoint here. So it's a terrible thing, man. It, it is. And, you know, there's there's no getting around it. And when you said it might upset some people, I, the only thing that I could think of people getting upset about is the fact that it happened and the way that it happened and the ensuing just you know blatant cover up uh, that happened and when i say cover up it's not like a tinfoil hat it's like a cover up and it and the fact that nobody really wanted to step up and take responsibility that it took you know weeks for any information to come out and you know the the way that it happened we were all just watching and we you know as red blooded americans as you know People that one live in the South that we love our guns. We're staring at the TV as this happens and we're in disbelief. Cause I remember the first thing that I said to you, Erica, is I was like, this is why we drive around with level four plates and armor and plate carriers and weapons in our car. I was like this would this is the reason why people will think oh there's no reason for that when I open my trunk and people that are just riding along with me see this they're like why do you carry that well I don't know this is why I mean you never know it's always good to be prepared and That's right. and to see the video of you know all of those parents there all and and you have the police holding them back and they're saying hey no you can't go in Imagine if just one of them was prepared the way that, and I'm not trying to place blame by any means, because that's not, that's not what I'm doing. In my mind, this is what I'm, I'm just going over in my head. Like, well, what if one of them was prepared like we are, and they had armor and they had weapons? There's no way those police would be able to hold me back. Um, and unfortunately, they started tasing people and arresting people right there on the spot. So just the way that it went down, it leaves a very bad, taste in my mouth. I mean, the way I look at it, again, as I mentioned before,
0: you know, I can't stand it when people play Monday quarterback, you know, especially if you don't have any skin in the game. And, I mean, look, I'm not like some Delta operator or anything like that. I mean, there's some dudes out there that have seen some crazy things in their military careers that I highly respect those people for some of the things. And I know some of these guys personally have their numbers in my phone, and that humbles me enough just to be able to call – And and talk shop with people who have definitely been in some sticky situations. And we've been in a few sticky situations. But I feel like if you are going to critique, you know, someone's actions, especially when it involves anything related to combat or, you know, in this situation, I mean, you might as well just call it straight up combat. Because, you know, there's a dude holed up uh, in a building that is committing some terrible atrocity. And, you know, he's armed, you're armed. And when it comes to a gunfight, that's probably the worst possible situation you could ever uh, you know, look, we were trained in the military to understand that when it comes to urban warfare, getting in a gunfight in a building is certainly a very, very terrible thing you don't want to have to do. It's one of the most dangerous places to get in a gunfight because there's so many tight quarters. Um, You know, you could turn the corner and bam, someone's there if you're not ready. I mean, it's just so many, you know, what ifs involved in urban warfare and in very close in type of environment. So I feel like. You know, if you are going to critique someone's actions, you need to at least have had a little bit of perspective. I mean, like you know, he and I have both been overseas. You know, we've served in the military. We we we've done training in infantry units um, that's very very similar to this type of uh, stuff. I mean, obviously, yeah. <laughs> now you know, shooting machine guns through windows is maybe a little bit different. Right. Uh, however, I feel like I feel like we do have at least a bit of qualification to critique. And I think that's important, right? I mean, we're not talking, you know, some guy that's LARPing and saying, well, we should have done this and should have done that. I mean, I feel like you need to at least have a little bit of a grip on what it's like, uh, to launch rounds at people and have rounds launched back at you. And, and then also know what it's, what it feels like to be on the other side of a door when there might be somebody on the other end of that door that means you harm and you know they're in there. And yeah. that's scary. It really is. We've been there and, 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 you know, it's, and, and we know folks that, uh, Without going too far down the rabbit hole, there was one instance where, uh, you know, w- one of the guys in our in, in our uh, our unit uh, ended up shooting a guy in the groin. <laughs> now, I, I, now, look, that's 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 danger close. Yeah. If you put a put a bullet in someone's groin because they're so close, you can't even get the gun up. That's
1: yeah, that's danger close, right? It's, I mean, but that's reality. That's war- The fog of war is a thing. It is, and I remember. Remember I mean, We were on our last uh unit get together that we were kind of hanging out. And I, was, I remember we were reminiscing. I was like, the most scared I've ever been was sitting on one side of the door knowing that we're, someone's about to kick the door and we're about to go in. Because I was always number one man. And I was like, you don't yeah. know fear until yeah. like you're in that situation. And, and you then, don't know yeah, what's yeah, on and the reality, other side. Reality grips you. And you're like, holy crap, I'm about to have to go through this door. That's right. It's and scary. Then, and there's going to be someone on the other side. But you don't know if it's... A little kid, a gr- little girl, little boy, if it's a, a woman, you know, making non bread or like a husband, you know, just fixing something, you don't know. It could be a dude with an AK pointed at you. You never know. You just never know. So,
0: with the with the preface of that knowledge, you know, floating around in, in our minds and hopefully yours now, you understand that where we come for, from with this, that we're, we're trying to, to sort of come to an understanding and we're not trying to point fingers and, and be too harsh. Although now, you know, there's been a lot of information come to light about the way this was handled. There was a 77-minute video leak. Yes. <laughs> uh, now, we're not going to elaborate on every little, you know, breakdown of every second of what happened. Then I did thumb through the video, and I did look at the most pertinent moments. And I'm sure at this point, many of you have already uh, began to see lots of uh, choice footage uh, dropping all around the Internet that shows Like, you know, the dude getting hand sanitizer and the guy checking his phone with the predator skull and people standing around scratching their balls or whatever they're doing. And, you know, you think, gosh, if you know this this terrible thing is happening just right down the hall, why aren't you going in there and shooting this guy? You know, why aren't you dealing with the problem? Why aren't you facing the threat? And. There's a lot of emotions that go through a person's mind when you see this footage and think, gosh, what if that was your kid? What if that was your, I mean, I believe one of the police officers, his wife was in there. I mean, how do you hold that man back? It would take four people to restrain me. They'd have to put a grown
1: man on every limb to keep me from going in there and stomping that little tur- turd's face in. Well, it's funny you say that because I believe the guy checking his phone is the guy that had that his wife was killed and he that's the reason he was checking his phone was because he was waiting to hear back from her but with that said it didn't seem like he had the urgency to be moving down that hallway either so it's almost like that's even worse and i'm not i'm not trying to you know i'm not trying to point fingers or place blame or anything like that but you know what you would do yeah i do and the thing is is that you know nobody and and i think this is a great segue into what we were talking about before like you just never know how you're going to react like you never think everybody thinks they're gonna you know be the hero and and rush down the hallway and some people aren't built that way some people just don't have that in them no matter there is a certain level of cowardice that takes place regardless if it is i mean a good example is like the movie saving private ryan you know johnny on the spot with the ammo supposed to be bringing the ammo and You know, listening to his buddy, and I know it's a movie, but those things happen, and that type of personality does exist. And you to say that that type of personality doesn't exist in the police force would be an understatement, because I'm sure, just like every every other profession, there are certain you know people that have that type of personality. Wow,
0: I mean, and to think about. You know, imagine the shock that someone has. I mean, you're trying to process the situation. I mean, I'm trying to put my myself in this person's it's true, heart. Man. It's you know, hard. you're you're trying to process the situation. You find out this terrible news. Surely, if you're checking your messages and your wife says, Oh my God, I'm hit. I might not make you know, what do you do? How do you process that? How yeah. do you unpack it? So maybe he was going through just an extreme amount. I mean, obviously going through an extreme amount of shock. Maybe he was just in shock and just happens. on autopilot, just not knowing what to do. What do you do? You feel powerless, right? I mean, but here's the thing. I mean, you're also a person that's not supposed to be powerless. You're the person that the society designates to be the designated killer. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're, they're giving you armor. They're giving you tools. They're giving you the weapons you need. They're giving you, you know, you, you got qualified immunity. You can go in there and grease this sicko. Right. They're giving you every tool you need to go and be the person that they send in. You know, you are the designated person to run towards danger. That's your job is to
1: run towards danger. Well, we we talk from a place of I would say a place of privilege in that aspect because you know, that's what we did and I look at you and you look at me and we've done it and we've we've had each other's back to do it and we know we would do that, but I don't think these guys had probably ever had that I mean, opportunity. It, uh, imagine
0: what was going through, you know, my 19 year old mind. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe later in life, you just have a different logical process that you take on when it comes to violence of action versus when you're, when you're young and you think you're invisible and you think that nothing can ever hurt you. I mean, there were those moments, I'm sure, where you, where you felt like, well, you know, here we go. It's just, what do you do? So. We, we do have a few articles pulled up, Matt, and uh, I've got one pulled up here. And uh, this one comes from the Texas Tribune dot And uh, this is just from a few days ago. But I thought that it was, you know, provide maybe some pertinent background information on this leaked video. To give us a little bit of context on what we're talking about. Right. And uh, now I'm not going to show video clips on YouTube Uh, or anything like that. But you can look them up on your own. And I'll try to put some links down in the description box below. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can pull up the the links and maybe go check out the video for yourself and get an idea of how it makes you feel and come to your own conclusions. Uh, We're not trying to tell you how to think. We're not telling you how to process your information. All we're saying is, you know, look, we're just going to view what we have in front of us.
1: Okay. And before we read that, I just want to, you know, everybody's been following this it's, it's not the video that everybody is upset about. Yes, that has something to do with it. The infuriating part is that how much trouble they went through to not release the video and how much trouble they went through to try to cover the optics of what happened. That is what's, what everybody's up in arms about because yeah. if they would have just released the video, then they would have said, "All right, balls in your court." They're, we did what we were trained quote trained to do. Right, but they fought it tooth and nail. They hired private law firms to try to like keep that release from happening, and um, it's just just sickening the yeah. the amount of trouble they went through. If
0: they know that hiding the video was only done under the guise of trying to you know do damage control, yep. Then and they're so mad about the video getting leaked, and they call it a leak. Whereby, look, taxpayers paid for all this whether it was the, the security cameras in the school that the taxpayers paid for or the body cam Which footage, all of it is what the taxpayers paid for. So at the end of the day, it's our footage, just like old war films or just whatever, right? If the taxpayers paid for it, it's our domain, and we have every right to see exactly what's going on because that's our tax dollars at work. That's right. So without further ado, we'll get into this article, um, and I'll, I'll read a little bit. We'll just go through. It's not very long. And uh this is from the Texas Tribune uh July 12th 2022. I've got it pulled up on the new screen here and appreciate our supporters for <laughs> helping us out and, and and getting us some funds to help uh you know hopefully make this better for you guys. I hope we hope hope you like it. All right. Elected officials and law enforcement leaders criticized the leak of the video that was supposed to first be shown to the victims families. So immediately right off the gate, yep. they're trying to paint well, maybe they are correctly uh, painting a picture of, you know, oh, well, they're the victim. The families are the, the, are the victims because they didn't get to, s- to see the footage first. I find it very hard to believe. Yeah, that's
1: that doesn't sit um, right with uh, me. I, I, I'm not sure
0: time. the reality of that statement. Nope. All right. All right. Uvalde on the same day that a Texas House committee investigating the Uvalde shooting announced plans to release footage of law enforcement response to the incident. A video showing police waiting for more than an hour in the school hallway before confronting the shooter was published by the Austin American Statement and KVUE TV. The apparent leak of the video before victims families could view it drew ire from local and state leaders. So so it appears that they did confirm that that. The, it was leaked before the family saw it and if that's the case yeah that's that's bad that's not cool uh at the at a uvalde city council meeting tuesday night mayor don uh, mclaughlin said it was unprofessional to have leaked the video to news outlets he said families deserve to have viewed the video first before anyone else the way the video was released today was the most chicken thing i've ever seen
1: oh really that's the mo- okay buddy all right pal <laughs> really
0: <laughs> yeah Pot, meat kettle. Uh, The mayor stopped short of cursing, said during the meeting attended by residents and families affected by the shooting. Look, last thing we ever want to do is be insensitive. Right. But here's the end of the day. Right. Good and evil. You know, they're a thing. You're never going to prevent evil unless a good guy with a gun straps up and runs to danger. So that is the basis that we're, we're that we're. That we're moving with our critique here. All right. We're trying to be respectful. But at the end of the day, listen, it is what it is. It was a failure on some point. We're going to try to break this down.
1: That was that's the most chicken thing I've ever seen. That's rich. man. Well, you must not have seen a lot.
0: (laughs) State Rep. Dustin Burroughs, a Lubbock Republican and the committee's chair, said earlier Tuesday that he planned to lead a private briefing for victims, families in Uvalde on Sunday morning allowing them to see the hallway video from a Robb Elementary School surveillance camera and discuss the committee's preliminary report. Then the committee would release the video and the report to the public and answer questions from reporters, he said. But hours after the announcement, the Statesman and KVUE published a one-hour and 22-minute version of the video, edited to remove the sound of children screaming and to obscure the identity of a student who ran from the shooter in the hallway, It depicts police arriving at the scene quickly and approaching two classrooms where the gunman, an 18-year-old Uvalde resident, was shooting. The officers retreat after being fired on and do not reapproach for more than an hour when several breach one of the classrooms and fatally shoot the gunman who killed 19 students and two teachers. It's so tragic. It's terrible. I mean, I can't begin to to imagine what goes through the, the mind of a poor parent who has to bury their child. That's terrible. It's so terrible. And there has to be ways that we can prevent these things. We're going to talk about that. We haven't gotten that far yet. I promise we'll get there. Multiple law enforcement officers from Uvalde, the State Department of Public Safety, the U.S. Border Patrol, and other agencies can be seen in the video. Many were heavily armed and had shields, but waited more than an hour before they stormed the classroom. Much of the details shown in the video... Have already been disclosed in media reports and details uh, released by law enforcement. The Texas Tribune reviewed the footage on June 20th, published a written, a detailed written account based on the footage and media reports and law enforcement records. The Tribune and the Statesman have also published still images from security footage. But the video itself shows an agonizing detail, the waiting done outside the classroom. Its release drew frustrations from many state officials who said they wanted the families of the victims to have the opportunity to see the footage first. Burroughs said uh, Tuesday before the video's publication that we feel strongly that members of the Evaldi community should have had the opportunity to see the video and hear from us before they were made public. Afterward, he said he was disappointed, and DPS director Stephen McCraw said in a statement that most affected should have been among the first to see it. I mean, we're kind of stepping all over the same exact statements, but... Okay, we get the point. It's unclear who provided the video to the statesman and the KVUE. The footage is being made public over the objection of the Uvalde County District Attorney, who has instructed DPS not to provide the video to the committee. Mm. Oh. Why would that be, I wonder? Because it shows, you know, gross negligence on the part of the responding officers, because it shows cowardice, because it shows misjudgment, because it shows several tactical errors, because it shows, you know, them basically looking like pogues. Which they do look like pogues, but...
1: Nonetheless. As I stated
0: during my testimony before the Senate... Special Committee to Protect All Texans. This video provides horrifying evidence that the law enforcement response to the attack at Robb Elementary on May 24th was an abject failure. McCraw said t- uh, Tuesday, in law enforcement, when one officer falls, we all fall. Well, that's a bold statement. And you know what? There are, listen, there are many people in law enforcement. There's some brave people. There, there's been a lot of very courageous acts committed by law enforcement in the line of duty, right? Many, many things have happened over the years where law enforcement have selflessly put themselves in the line of of fire uh, to deal with terrible situations. So it's not that police aren't capable. It's just on this particular day. I don't know. Maybe something in the water. Since last month, the three person House committee, which also includes El Paso Democrat state rep Joe Moody and former Republican state Supreme Court Justice Eva Guzman, Um, has interviewed more than a dozen witnesses behind closed doors, including law enforcement and school workers. Their report will be the second investigation into the law enforcement response to the shooting to be made public. Last week, the Advanced Law Enforcement Rapid Response Training Center. Well, that's one heck of a uh, uh, of an abbreviation uh, located at State. Uh, Texas State University in San Marcos released its comprehensive account of police tactics during the shooting. Moody, the lone Democrat on the committee, said on Twitter that the report uh, that the report the House committee is preparing to release Sunday will provide more context to the video. A piecemeal release of information continues to tell part of a story that people deserve the complete truth about, he said. McCraw said, as said, Uvalde uh, Schools Police Chief Pete Arredondo was most responsible for a flawed response to the shooting. Uh, Uvalde CISD Superintendent Hal Harrell placed Arredondo on leave last month. Uh, Arredondo was elected to the Uvalde City Council before the shooting, but wasn't sworn in until after the massacre. Arredondo submitted his resignation from the city council or- earlier this month. At Tuesday's meetings, uh, council members formally accepted that resignation and set a special election to fill his seat for November. Doesn't look like it's uh, it's not looking too good for the for these people. I mean, they they realize that there was some negligence. They realize that there was a complete breakdown in the tactics and the communication and the implement you know, implementation of policy and tactics. And uh, you know, when you resign, that's pretty much. That says
1: everything. Right yeah. There. I mean, it's like admitting without admitting that there were some failures there on his part. And I don't think he needs to be told there were failures. He probably knew, um, from the beginning. And it, I think it just comes down to lack of leadership and leadership ability. That is pretty much what happened in that hallway. When you look at that hallway and you see the, you know, all, there's officers from different organizations there, different agencies, not one of them stepped up to be a leader. I know in the, in our platoon, in our unit, you know, we're all taught to be leaders. And if you're in a bind, if you're, in, if you're in a tight spot and there's no leader, you are the leader. So you have to make those decisions and then you have to deal with the repercussions of those. Any one of those officers could have stepped up and said, Hey, follow me and led the charge down that hallway to, to save those kids. But not a single one of them did because I don't know if it's, you know, they weren't trained to be individual leaders. If they were trained to just fall in line and toe the line all the time, which it seems to be the case with these guys, um, even holding back one of their own from going to save his wife. Not to mention multiple parents. Yeah. And then on the outside, multiple parents. That was uh, that was uh a different agency. That was the... What was City it? cops? Maybe? No, 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 no. They were federal guys. They were feds. Oh. The feds did that, man. So they were out How'd there. How the feds know to be there so quick? They, that's uh, the the tinfoil hat. Well, they yeah. are a board of town. So there's there's a couple of them. True. Um, yeah. But but overall, I mean, it, it, it's the implementation, the abject failure of the actions of the officers, but also what happened afterwards. Everything they went they went into straight damage control. They were like, "Hey, we're not re- releasing any information." all the information that we did release it's all a lie it came to oh somebody left the door open lie they had video that came out a couple of days later that the door wasn't left open oh the doors were locked lie the doors were not locked they didn't even have locks on them apparently they mm. were waiting for a key they had the keys they just didn't try all of them so every it's almost like they they it's like they forgot the internet existed it's like they start throwing all this stuff on the wall to see what sticks and people aren't stupid. They're going to start you know, digging and they're going to find out, which is exactly what happened. They're like, Hey, wait, these doors don't have locks. What is you he know, talking about?
0: It is interesting that, you know, in light of, let's just say the social media age, it has gotten much, much harder uh, for the authorities, if you will. Uh, I hate calling them authorities because they don't have any authority over my life. That's right. Uh, but, uh, the authorities, if you will, uh, and their ability to cover things up, it's gotten much, much harder. For them it's to do damage control, point, yeah. they have to pretty much like sweep things under the rug. And it's only a matter of time before they get caught doing it. And, of course, this is just one example of that. I will play devil's advocate on a couple of things. Just to try to be fair, because I'm a fair guy. I try to, try to shake things out in a way that I think might make sense from all perspectives. Um, all right, one... When you look at everything that's been going on, let's just say in the public eye, when it comes to police and them carrying out their duties, now, no matter what decision they might make and what you feel about the decision in terms of how they, they, they take on a certain action, um, look at all of the scrutiny that they're under. You know, look at how many people are getting strung up over every little thing. You know, when they do do their jobs, uh, you know, they, they get the book thrown at them, right? So how do you know? Now, granted, I, I can't in my mind, imagine the feeling that I would have to go, well, there's this terrible thing happening. I'm just going to stand here and do nothing because I'm worried about getting in trouble, but bear, you know, get, throw me a bone here. All right. I'm just trying to get in the heads of the people that maybe they think, well, you know what, if we do something, we're going to get in trouble and get strung up and go to jail for the rest of our life. So we don't want to risk, you know, kicking in the door and accidentally shooting a kid. And now we're strung up over it. So maybe somewhere down deep in their psyche, they're worried about getting in some trouble. Now, personally, that's not enough of an excuse for me, but I'm just trying to, I'm trying to kind of paint a picture of where their heads might have been at. And then two, right? Yeah, maybe they are, uh, maybe it's just a lack of training and a lack of expertise and tactics. And, and maybe it's just because of the bureaucracy that surrounds, you know, the government and police work. And, and, you know, our society is a very bureaucratic society in terms of all the paperwork and approvals and this person and that person. Like there's all the minutiae of the bu- bu- bureaucracy that surrounds action, especially police action that involves, you know, employing SWAT teams and going into the school and, you know, potentially no telling what's going to happen. Right. So maybe it's just literally that bureaucratic to where, well, we can't go until we get the go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you see that in Hollywood, you know, I know Hollywood's Hollywood, but it's like people are programmed to kind of think, well, 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 they can't do anything unless their higher up says they can do it, you know, and they're on the radio, get the word go, you know, we're programmed to think that police have to be given the green light to do something. But in reality, right? If, if you go in and save the day, you go in and save the day. If you die, you die. If you live, you live. If you take out the, the, if you deal with the situation, you deal with the situation. Sometimes situations are fluid and they require action on the spot. They require decision making on the spot. And now I'm not saying that this is an excuse for law enforcement, but I'm trying to paint the picture from the devil's advocate point of view. Cause I try to look at both sides of the equation. Is it maybe just a, a lack of training? Right. Maybe they weren't trained well enough. All right. Maybe they need better training. Maybe police officers across the country need to take a much more serious approach, uh, you know, to these types of tactics and these maneuvers and, and to develop a plan and to maybe take more time to train on active shooter situations. That and I mean I'm I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. I'm being very kind in my You assessment. are
1: being extremely kind. And you know, I think that you can only be so fair and so kind, because to me, what I see is a bunch of cops, well, a bunch of agency personnel, um, sitting in the hallway listening to kids screaming for 77 minutes, hearing gunshots, and they heard nineteen gunshots, and then they heard less and less screaming. And they just sit there and clean their hands with hand sanitizer and, you know, shift around their plate carriers with ballistic shields sitting in front of them. And it takes one, you know, off-duty Bortac guy to run in there, getting shot in the frickin' head, killing this guy. One man goes in and does that. And they have, what, nine over nine officers sitting in that hallway, you know, picking their fingernails, listening. It makes me sick as a parent to a five-year-old that it, it, it makes me sick to think about that. I know. And I I just, I can't, like, I I just, Oh, (laughs) I get get so upset over
0: it. I know. And, and, you know, we're going to get into, to a few more things, but I want to continue. We'll, we'll just kind of finish off this article a bit, but I wanted to, to kind of, you know, touch on that a bit. Since the May 24th shooting, community leaders have repeatedly pressed officials for the details about what happened. Those calls intensified after Governor Greg Abbott and DPS officials initially made several inaccurate statements about the police response. The governor and McCraw have since said the video footage from the school surveillance uh, cameras should be released. In Uvalde on Tuesday night, residents told McLaughlin it's his job to stand up for the families who lost loved ones and get details of the investigations. I agree. I mean, more information is better. People deserve to know the truth. Resident Diana uh, Oveldo Carew, uh, I apologize if I mispronounced that, said, City council members need to advocate aggressively for the families. If it means losing your seat, so be it, she said. Exactly. Precisely. Uvalde pastor Daniel Myers told the mayor he needs to quit being so nice and step on some toes. The mayor said he was trying to get some answers for the families. Mayors responded, well, you need a bigger foot because you're stepping all over. They are stepping all over you. Uh, Adam Martinez, whose eight-year-old son was at the school during the shooting, said the mayor um, blaming others is an excuse to not accept responsibility for not providing information to the families on the investigation. We used to have confidence in him, but he hasn't given us anything, Martinez said. He can do name calling, but what he what we need is information. Alright, so that's the context of that article. So, we, we, we see that there were certainly some miscalculations, and that's putting it quite nicely. Miscalculations and very poor tactics on the part of the police. Now, is that going to be chalked up to miscommunication or poor training? I won't dare speculate. However, uh, these events have come to pass, and now we must live with, uh, you know, the result of this tragedy. Now, we have said in other videos, and I know I made a video about the shooting shortly after, just kind of really trying to offer some some form of um, you know, make sense of what happened in some way to make people understand, you know. But of course, it's very difficult to understand evil because evil is such a abstract concept for many of us that we can't dare get into the head of someone who commits these terrible actions. Because we're not wired like that. Most of us are just good, honest people that work hard. We want to take care of our families. We want to protect our communities. And the last thing that we ever want to see is a tragedy like this. We want to avoid these tragedies. We want to destroy evil where we see it. And the only way for that to occur is for people to be armed and ready at all times and to be, you know, to have the mindset of a protector. Right, I know that sheepdog mentality gets thrown around a lot, and I know it's the subject of many a meme, and I understand. I get it. I've been guilty of uh, propagating some of those silly memes myself on, <laughs> on the Internet. But life is not a meme. Life is reality, and, and the reality must dictate that good must be present with the tools necessary to destroy evil anywhere it exists, at any time, on demand, wherever you may be. You, you, every able-bodied person owes it to themselves and everyone around them to have the ability to protect everything they see in front of them. It's part of being an adult. It's part of being a protector. It's part of being a sheepdog of society, right? I just had an hour and a half long interview, okay, uh, uh, with uh, Stephen Williford, all right? And it was amazing. And he told his story about the Sutherland Springs shooting right. and how he re- reacted to it. And I, I suggest that if you haven't seen that video, go check it out. It's an hour and a half long with Steven and it's amazing. And he gets emotional because it's such an emotional thing for him to how he handled that situation. You know, he didn't know that he was going to get in a gunfight that day. He didn't know he was going to run out of his you know house barefooted and go take his AR, and he only had like 10 or 12 rounds in the magazine. didn't even have a full magazine. just Mm -hmm. was stuffing Mac, you know, and just didn't know what to do. But he put himself in danger knowing that he probably wasn't going to be able to stand toe-to-toe with it. But he faced him anyway, and that's what people do. Protectors do that. They put themselves in danger. Those are designated protectors. Police are supposed to be the designated people that go towards danger in our society. So why did this concept, why did this... This American concept of protecting that that I think is a unique, uniquely American trait. It is a uniquely American trait for Americans to strap on body armor and grab guns and put themselves in danger for the safety of others. Often the safety of people they don't even know, and they might not ever meet. That's a uniquely American trait. Why did
1: that fall apart, Matt? That's a great question. And I wish I had an answer um, because it, I really don't understand why not a single person from that department was able to do it. And it makes me sad. Um I know while you're you're, you know, talking on your point, I'm just sitting here thinking of, you know and it's just sad to me that not a single soul was willing to put their life on the line to protect, you know, the unprotectable. They can't they're defenseless at that point. And I just hope that, you know, well, tra- as tragic as it is, it it is a lesson learned and that it won't happen again and that others can learn from this and and that it won't happen again. Well,
0: here's the thing. You know, I don't want to be a pessimist because I, I'm not that type of person. I'm a very positive person. I, I want to view, you know, the future... You know, I want the future to be something we can look forward to, that we can be proud of, that one day, 30 years from now, I can look back on what I did in the previous 30 years and go, you know what? That was time well spent. I did a great job. I left the world a better place than I found it. And I think that that is also a uniquely American trait, like Americans want to build a better world. They want to grow the the concept of freedom in a way that that applies more universally to more people. I don't want to prevent people's, you know, people from exercising their rights or, or having freedom. I want to enhance the ability for people to exercise their freedoms, to exercise their rights. And when these politicians call for gun bans and they call for all of this crazy rhetoric revol- revolving around, you know, trying to ban guns or make guns harder to get, that's a band aid on the situation. And really, it's not even a band aid with any adhesive on it. It just, it's just there for show. It's not even real. It's just the their perception of what's real. It's not what is real. It's not it's not the reality of the situation, right? The reality of the situation is if somebody that's a terrible evil person shows up with a gun and wants to commit evil against people, you need to have a gun ready to shoot them on the spot and prevent them from carrying out their evil. Right? That's the world we live in. We have to be ready. We have to be we have to have the heart and the courage to to do these things, to, to take on the task at hand, yeah. right? There's no avoiding that, right? We need to arm our teachers, the ones that are willing, right? Look, this is what we need to do, right? Set up a special fund or whatever, whether it's a, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to pretend to know where the money comes from. I'm not going to get into the deep dive of that, right, in terms of the fiscal responsibility or the fiscal irresponsibility of the situation. But maybe you could just provide special funding for teachers that want to take on uh, the training. Say that, all right, if you want to go take a gun course, maybe take an air marshal course and learn how to handle a gun and be the designated person that's responsible for being a, t- a teacher that's armed in your, in your municipality or your area, whatever, you know, okay, maybe give them a a raise, a three dollar raise, or, or some type of a, a pay raise that reflects the added responsibility that they've taken on. Pay for the class. Subsidize their training ammo just like you would for the police. Maybe subsidize their carry gun, right? Subsidize the, the, the locked uh the, the locking vessel for them to you know the safe to put mm-hmm. the gun in, right? Subsidize that in a way that makes them comfortable with the situation. They go, well I'm taking on the sexual responsibility, what do I get in return? Incentivize them to want to get that training, to want to be the bull in the room that they, that that shooter is going to have to confront that
1: teacher. And honestly, most teachers that are into shooting wouldn't even require that. They'll gladly with like, with just the good graces and the, and the permission of the school district that allowed them to do it, which is a different conversation, guys. We're not getting into that today, but you know, just with them allowing them to those guys would carry without even getting paid extra, without getting uh, any type of uh, ammo allotment. They would do it just to do it. Now, granted, yeah. yes, you probably should go through the air marshal course because they are, I mean, that's probably the hardest shooting course that you're going to qualify on. So, yeah, you should probably have to ace that in order to, to do that because there's a lot of moving parts in those hallways. Um, but, you know, the, the number one... Thing that I saw and it really, I'm glad you brought that up. It jumped out at me. I was, you know, browsing the interwebs and some, there was a teacher that was obviously anti gun said, why would you arm the teachers? Why would you force me to be armed and carry a gun? I don't like guns. And I'm like, that's very, very arrogant of you to think that I would want you and force you to carry a gun. You're probably the last person I would delegate if you're, if that's the stance you have. I would probably ask for volunteers for people that are already comfortable or that are already familiar with shooting. And they would obviously be the first choice, not you, the anti gun person. No one's going to force you to do that. So, yeah. it, it's just like, it, it's weird that you look at the mindset of the, of the anti-gunners and they're like, no, I don't want to. You're going to force I'm like, no, we're not. Dude, I don't care if you want to or yeah. not. Nobody's asking yeah, me no, to no, do it. No one's forcing a <laughs> yeah. teacher to, to pick up a gun, exactly. obviously. I yeah. mean,
0: and 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 look, you know, whether it is a system that involves teachers in the education system or police in, in the policing system or whatever, any type of codified or, or, or you know, uh, regimented type of existence. All it is is a microcosm of society, right? Mm-hmm. So j- just like, you know, you, you wouldn't expect just some random person to be forced to own a gun if they didn't want to own a gun. They're not saying pl- that the, that the uh, teachers have to own a gun. All right. I want to mention a good friend of mine. Now, um, I'm very lucky to, to know Ryan Petty really well. And I'd like to, to give a little bit of a background of his story because it's very pertinent to what we're talking about. And, uh, I'd like to just sort of lay forth. Uh, a little bit about his story i'm not going to go into a ton of detail because the reason being we are probably going to end up having ryan petty as a guest on here so i want him to tell his story personally Uh, and here on, we we will have him as a guest hopefully on llp and i'm going to make some youtube videos with him as well he's just down in florida but i'm just going to give you a little bit of background about what he was able to accomplish in florida okay now if you don't know okay uh ryan petty his 14 year old daughter Uh, Aliana Petty was murdered in the Stoneman Douglas uh, high school shooting on February 14th, 2018. Uh, Petty is credited. I'm reading right off Wikipedia because this is just just easier for me to to give you the information. Petty is credited with helping to pass the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas high, uh, high school public safety act. That is Florida Senate bill seven zero two six, just three weeks after his daughter, Aliana was murdered at the federal level. Petty worked with Senators uh, Orion Hatch, uh, Marco Rubio, and Bill Nelson to pass the Stop School Violence Act and the Fix Nicks Act of 2017. Uh, So basically, without going into a ton of detail, I I don't want to really try to tell his story for him because I'm going to let you hear it from his mouth on his own. But basically, he pressured Florida to put more armed teachers in schools and to actually institute programs that allow teachers to get the training necessary uh, to make sure that they are ready to face a threat toe to toe. And now Florida has armed teachers throughout the state on many, many levels. And that is uh, due to the direct activism of Ryan Petty. And nice. now Ryan Petty could, could have easily said, you know what? Oh my God, this tragedy. I hate guns, blah, blah, blah. But his daughter was an avid shooter. She loved guns. Ryan loves guns. And he realized that, that, an, a honest, good person with a firearm was what what was needed to prevent that shooting. Right. Right. So he chose to turn that, you know, to turn the anguish in his heart into something that maybe could prevent this from happening for other parents, so they don't have to feel the anguish that he felt uh, losing his daughter. And Ryan is a great guy, and I've had multiple conversations with him. He's super based. He's a great dude. But that's the type of activism we need to prevent these shootings from happening. We need. The parents to go out there and be courageous and say, listen, we need armed teachers. We need people that are ready to respond to violence, right, when they see it, right? where they see it and when they see it. The time frame is important, right? Anyone can call in on a radio and say, well, there's an active shooter over here. Well, guess what? It's too late then. They're already in there shooting the place, Right. You need someone that instead of picking up a dang radio, they pick up a freaking AR and go in there and smoke that bozo before he, he hurts anybody.
1: Well, that's a very valid point. And look what we're doing as a country where you can you can go to any in downtown Atlanta. You can't you can walk into any high rise building. Do you think you're going to be able to make it past the security desk without them wondering why you're there? what why you're in that building do you think you're going to be able to go to the top floor without security saying why are you here no you can't that and that's just an office building where people work there you have security the guys that are wearing the little the coats and the ties and they're wondering why you're there protecting office workers you go to a bank you have security guarding money that's not even really there because if you try to go in there and withdraw your money, they're going to say, well, we don't have that much money here in the, in the bank. You have to come back in a couple of days. So we have security officers guarding fake money that's in a bank that doesn't exist. Yet you go to a school and there's no security there. You have a resource officer that wasn't at work that day, still don't know where he was at. Because everybody was wondering where the resource officer was. He wasn't there.
0: So there was supposed to be a resource yes. officer at...
1: Yes, there was. He wasn't there. So that's what that was the big question. Is like where where was the resource officer? Oh and my there was gosh. no resource officer there. So they
0: have not answered that question? Uh, not that's to a pretty my, yeah, distinctive not to my knowledge. inquiry.
1: Yeah. They it. also saw the gunmen going into the school and they asked they called it in and asked permission to shoot and they didn't get an answer back and as Why well. is it?
0: that all of these people are always known to law enforcement yeah. before this happened. They right? saw
1: him going, like they, two police officers saw him. They just did, they, they failed to engage him. What? Yeah. So failed it failed to engage. Yeah. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot of just weird stuff going on and just a lot of quote, abject failures, uh, that took place and, Dare I say, like, it was very methodical, like, how all this stuff happened. It's just, like, some movie-level stuff. It is
0: strange when you view failure as methodical. I mean, when, when something fails at a level that is such a failure that you go, damn.
1: Yeah, like, that is... Like,
0: isn't that a failure that's almost sort of, like, by design?
1: Like, so many things had to happen, like, in perfect harmony for that to take place. You know, like
0: chor- yeah, like choreography. Yeah. Like a movie.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and and we have... We are giving, we gave $40 billion to Ukraine. We just approved another $1.6 billion to go to Ukraine. Money we don't have. Yeah. So how is this still? And we still have nothing as far as any type of school, uh, enrichment programs for, you know, safety. We don't have any budget earmarked for school safety. What do we get? We get news articles. How do you lock a door with a chair? Well, I don't know. How about you? Don't worry about locking a door with a chair. How about you worry about putting armed guards there so then people will think twice about yeah. walking into a school? Yeah, for, forty billion dollars would hire a heck of a lot of guards. Yeah, forty one point six if, if you combine Dude, the two. I mean,
0: <laughs> that that is a giant money laundering operation. I don't care what anybody says; they're laundering yeah. that
1: money. That money that has been money. washed
0: so many times. It ain't even funny.
1: And I know a lot of guys, a lot of our guys, uh, you know, on Instagram that we know, when it first came out, we we're posting. Like budgets, what what you could do with forty billion dollars to the mm-hmm. to the public school system? Let's let's take charter schools and let's take private yeah. schools out of the system. There was like a total of like on one, and this is just me uh, trying to remember. It's like six hundred and fifty thousand public schools in the U.S. Forty billion dollars. There was enough. Right. That's forty four hundred million, right? Uh, I can't even get a billion on this calculator. (laughs) I was going to try to calculate it. It, Well, it came out to like some crazy number per school to retrofit security and higher security and install, you know, security doors and locks. There was enough money there to, to basically retrofit every public school in America. Right. Every one of them. Right. So, so a billion is a thousand million correct uh a billion is
0: 999 million. million all right i've got that program on my calculator it's the yeah. highest number i can go to in my calculator remember <laughs> this is just a billion dollars close to a billion dollars all right if we take that number and we divide by okay what do you think the average resource officer makes a year $42,000 maybe on the it's low whatever, end it's May-
1: whatever that police department is paying so yeah. let's just say averaged 45 grand yeah 45 grand a year all right we're going to
0: divide that by 45 grand a year that is twenty two thousand two hundred officers, with that billion dollars that you that you could buy. I don't know about you, but that's a heck of a lot of freaking officers. Mm-hmm. That 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 move the needle in a, in a pretty positive direction. Now, I digress. Look, I I'm just trying to point <laughs> out the hypocrisy of this situation because I mean that's that's what I try to do. Look, I'm going to be fair. I'm like the the hard grandpa, right? That's going to yeah, he's going to tell you what you're doing right, but I'm also the kind of guy that's going to tell you when you're messing up too. I mean, and and look, you could have. 50,000 officers, but if they're not trained, they don't have the proper tools, the proper mindset, it ain't going to matter. Uh,
1: what? Are they going to be a liability? I mean,
0: that resource officer that this school was supposed to have didn't even show
1: up. Yep. So it just makes me sick to think, and then no, and, and everybody just seems to be outraged over the gun. Like, hey, you can be as mad as you want at the gun, but let's look at the actual cause, the root cause of it. It's not the gun. It was yeah. the, the evil, like well, the, the evil especially part. Especially
0: when they try to pass all this gun control and they wind up saying, well, police and military are exempt. You know, you always mm-hmm. notice that. Like, when they pass gun control, they always make sure they put that little... Ah, members know, of Congress oh, are yeah, also yeah. exempt. Yeah, members of Congress are exempt, law enforcement is exempt, blah, blah, blah. Yep. You know, oh, well, law enforcement is going to be the one to go around and confiscate guns if we decide to yeah, do it. Well, good luck. If, they, they stacked up nine dudes <laughs> to go after one dude. Yeah. And you mean to tell me, you, you what, you're going to send the same dudes to freaking disarm everybody? Yeah, I'll, I'll believe that when I freaking see it. Yep,
1: we're in for a bad night.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, look... Again, the last thing a person ever wants to do is to try to play Monday quarterback. I mean, that's not my goal with this. I'm just trying to make some sense of this new information that's come out and to try and and get in the minds of these people. I mean, you're never going to understand the mentality of evil because, I mean, most of us are just not wired that way. I'm not an evil person. I don't know what evil people, what what goes through their minds. I don't know what was going through this freaking kid's mind when he decided to do this. I mean, the greater... I suppose conversation that I believe society needs to have, and sort of the bull in the room that people are very afraid to confront, almost afraid to talk about, is you know all these behavioral meds that they're putting all these kids on, and all of this freaking crap. And then what? Kids stop taking the medicine, and all of a sudden they turn into little weirdos, and they turn mm-hmm. into psychopaths. It's like th- those 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 the regimens that they apply those medicines on are pretty strict in terms of how they got to do them. And from everything I've been reading. Uh it, it seems that once they just kinda stop taking those meds, they turn into little weirdos. I mean you know, instead of applying proper parenting, getting two loving, you know, a mother and a father to raise a child with love and compassion and to teach them right from wrong, right? You know, the good old fashioned way of raising kids like I'd like to think, like we were raised. You know what, you're gonna stick Junior on the freaking iPad and give him a bunch of medicines to try to calm him down or whatever you're trying to do to to affect his behavior. And then you're somehow surprised that it produces things like what this kid did. You notice that this crap didn't start happening until the nineties. did they start doing in the nineties, pumping these kids full of ADHD medicine and Ritalin and all this horse shit. Yep. And then you're somehow surprised that these things start happening.
1: Well, look at, I mean, and and I'm not trying to, you know, steer that steer anybody towards a specific narrative, but when you start looking at, you know, the, how the media is, um, portraying some of these actions this is uh absolutely horrendous the, the way that the police handled it but then you turn around and look at what happened with you know I, I forget the exact city but the guy that ran over the the part people with the red van or whatever and they come the media completely dropped that the most recent um what was it the uh the highland park yeah, Highland Park parade shooting. Um, they there's like they found pictures of the kid wearing a dress and being a crossdresser and just not fitting the the narrative of what uh, what a typical, I guess you would say, shooter looks like and all of a sudden they're like, "Oh no, 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 drop it, drop it, don't don't show it." So, when's the last time you heard anything about I had to look it up, the Highland Park parade shooting. That's they, right. As soon as they found out it didn't fit the narrative, and they couldn't frame it a specific way, they just stopped reporting on it.
0: Um, so I I Googled uh, what you were talking about, the the red van. Yeah. Um, it says the Toronto van attack. Yeah. A domestic terrorist vehicle ramming attack that occurred on April 23rd, 2018, when a rented van was driven along Yonge Street through the North New York City Center Business District in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. The driver uh, targeted pedestrians, killing 11 and injuring 15, some critically.
1: So, I mean, the incident is the deadliest vehicle ramming attack in Canadian history. So, you start, you start seeing that's that kind of stuff. And they're like, Oh, it's they just don't want to report on anything. And that, like I said, the Highland Park incident shooting, Mm -hmm. they don't report on that. And it just blows me away that the media is can can actually point the narrative and shape the narrative Mm -hmm. in this very specific way. And this is no different. And you could tell because the first excuse they used was, well, we didn't get a chance to show the video to the families. What would it have changed? And why would it have mattered? That's right. They would have watched those cops sit in the hallway for 77 minutes. And what's crazy
0: is you type in July 4th shooting in Google and you go to images. And right right now, I'm scrolling down. And you got to go down a pretty good way to get even even close to a mugshot of this guy. Because they don't want you to know the background. He's dressed like a girl right there. Yeah. I mean, they don't want you to know yeah. that it that it's these medicated weirdos that are doing this stuff. I yeah. mean, that's the greater bull in the room that we have to confront. This isn't about guns. It's never been about firearms. And that's what we're trying to explain to people. You know, society as a whole, it's it, it, it's just it's sad how society has just gotten to the point where they're like cattle. They want to be spoon fed this narrative. They don't want to think for themselves. They want to be told what to think and they just want to eat it up and move back to their Facebook updates and their, and their, their five o'clock programming. It's like, come on, guys, wake up. (laughs) Understand the greater bull in the room. The, 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 you know, let's just say, you know, the societal. Issues that we have to solve that, that lead up to these things. Those are what we have to solve. This isn't about firearms. It never has been. They try to make it about firearms because they know that firearms are the tools of free people. They know that a person with a firearm has to be reasoned with. They don't want to reason with you. They want to control you. They want to be the people that, that have the narrative and there's nothing you can do about it. You just have to accept it and move on. Oh, you don't think that. You think this. They want to rewrite history. You know, it's like 1984, right out of the pages of George Orwell's 1984. <laughs> yeah. It's a dystopian novel that we're living
1: in. Stand in front of the monitor, you know, <laughs> make make sure that do you're Do your you're sit-ups. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, it, that's it, what it, we're looking at. And, you know, it's sad to say, but that's, that's the road we're heading down. And, you know, mm-hmm. all we can do is try our best to, quote, resist. Well, you know?
0: and I think it's also, you know, the culture of gun ownership is changing a lot. And... You know, some may view for the worse, for the better. But I think we've got a lot of diversity in the gun, in the gun world. A lot more people, a much more diverse group of folks is getting in tune with the idea of self-preservation and using guns as, a, as, you know, for self-preservation. And that's good. Like society needs to face that, that we all need to be on equal ground. And a person that's that's armed must be reasoned with, right? Be that voice of reason. You know, use your words, use your verbal judo, you know, have the ability to have a conversation, be respectful, but just be prepared to, you know, use the tip of the sword if you need to. I mean, that firearms are there as a last resort. And you know what, when you're on the end of a rope and you, you got no more knots to grab and you're slipping, sometimes that one last resort is a comforting thing to have. And that's what guns are for us. Like, you know,
1: guns are the tools of free people and that's why they want to take them. That's right. I just, I just hope that, you know, we can all take a step back and we can look at this horrible, uh, you know, situation and try our best to learn from it and say, you mm-hmm. know, these are obviously what happened is wrong and it's heinous. And mm-hmm. we can learn from that and, and try to move forward as a country and not try to blame, you know, inanimate objects. For that, for things that were the, that were the actions of an evil person. That's uh, the nice way of saying it. That's right.
0: I mean, you, you got to be prepared to face evil where you see it. And the only way you're going to do that is by being armed. I don't know how many times I have to say it. I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, but that's the, the fact of the matter. You must be prepared for the worst situation at all times. And uh, I'm not going to ever pretend to, to know all the answers. I mean, I'm just one guy. Like I'm a guy who exists in a place that's bigger than me. I get that. I can, you know, I can come to that conclusion. I can understand that that's the world I live in that, that, you know, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm a part of a greater society. I get that, but it's my job with this platform and to have my ability to reach out to people to make sure they know that there are other solutions. that you know The solutions that the politicians tell you are not always the right solutions. And in, in fact, they provide the problem and then come pulling up with the solution. You notice how that works? Funny how that works, isn't it? Maybe there's a better solution. Maybe you're the solution. Maybe your attitude is the solution. You can't change circumstances that you might find yourself combating, like something like this terrible act. But you can change your attitude about how you deal with it. You can change your mindset. You can change, you know how it affects you and no one has to tell you to do it you just have to find the courage in yourself to think that you know what there might be a different way than what these people are telling me that's all we're trying to really push forward here it's just to think for yourself you know and i really hope that we can put these types of events past us in a way that you know we prevent these things from ever occurring again I want to get back to the way it was in the '50s and '60s, where you know people, you know, you go to school and they're, you're going to have, uh, you know, them teaching the kids about guns in school and giving yeah. safety classes, right? Help there's been situations where, you know, oh, uh, I believe I, I saw an image on Google Images one time where, you know, these young kids are sitting outside the school with their shotguns because somebody had threatened something
1: about the school. I, call, I, I remember, I remember seeing that as well. And these kids are sitting
0: outside the classroom pulling security.
1: Yeah. I, I distinctly remember that. Image, I mean, yeah. And they then, didn't get shot up that day, did they? No, not at all. And, yeah. Funny how that works. And, you know, I, I remember when I was growing up, they did have, and I, I think, you know, having actual live firearms, they had already removed those, but there was air rifle teams when I was growing up. So at least you were familiar with a weapon or a firearm at that time. You got to shoot, uh, air rifles or 22s and, If you're familiar with it as a child growing up, you know, it's kind of embedded into you. You don't have fear of it. I think that so many kids growing up now have a, have a innate fear of firearms because that's what is, that's what's taught to them. Be afraid of the gun. Be scared of the gun. But, you know, it it shouldn't be that way.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to find that image. It's not really popping up on Google images, but it's an old school black and white picture. And -hmm. these kids are just camped out outside the school ready for anything. Well, one of them's got a shotgun, I think one's got like a 22, but you know they were ready. We need to bring that mindset back to our society. You need to be ready for anything and you should every person should be a combat multiplier, right? If you can't protect yourself, you can't protect the people around you and you can't teach them to protect themselves. What are you really protecting if you're not teaching the people around you to protect themselves as well? Right? You know, you catch a man a fish you can eat for a day, but if you teach a man a fish, he'll eat for his whole life. I believe in that. And self-defense is the same way. We need more people that can protect themselves because it makes our total footprint of protection that much larger. And I think it's something we should push for in our society. We need to get back to that, back to those roots.
1: I agree. And we also need to, you know, arm teachers, the ones that want to be armed. Um, I think that will actually help provide a solution to most Uh, Of the schools, because not all these schools are in these super built-up areas. You have a lot of rural schools Mm -hmm. that can benefit greatly from just you know people knowing that there's armed teachers there. Yeah, because you're gonna think twice, man. Bubba can shoot. All right. Yeah, it's just the way it
0: is. The the private school that my kid went to, they had Mm -hmm. a shotgun team, and they had their shotguns out on the truck. That's right. And wasn't a problem. And in some cases, bring their shotguns in and leave them in the teacher's office, and then after school. Go out and do the shotgun training.
1: It's different in rural America. You it know? is. <laughs> it's it's it a regional thing. Yep.
0: But um, look, I really appreciate everybody tuning in. We are kind of on the end of this episode. And I know this is a sensitive subject for many, but we're trying our best, believe me, trying our best to make sense of this and try to come away with something we can learn. When something bad happens, we want to try to learn from it. We want to try to see what are our takeaways. How can we you know, walk away from this stronger and prevent these things from occurring. And that's really the guise of what we were doing here. So I hope people understand where we're coming from. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember, on Fridays, we post the audio version over on all your different podcast forums. On Saturdays is when we post the video version over on IRAC Veteran eighty eight eighty eight. So if you want to watch our podcast and video form, you can see them over on the channel. Uh, so check them out. And don't forget, go over to Ballistic Inc. Pick yourself up a snazzy new T-shirt. That's one way that you can help support our efforts and don't forget, if you're looking for body armor, go over to RMA, use the code IV8888. You can receive a discount. Great way to... Uh You know, protect yourself in a passive manner. They got some great deals on their armor, so check them out if you want. Uh, Any last thoughts, Matt? Before we go,
1: yeah, I just I just want to say thanks to uh, listening. I know it's a hard subject. Um, It was hard for us to talk about, and it was even harder for us to try to articulate for an hour without you know cussing. And we we try our best to keep it family friendly. And as two combat vets, half of the the first cut was cuss words, so we just had to be very careful about how we approach the subject. And we I hopefully we did a good job and we were able to, you know, articulate it in a, in a way that was still um, thoughtful. I agree. I agree. You know, you, you can be hard
0: on people and still be respectful and, uh, you know, uh, respectful of someone's loss. And, and it is a terrible loss. And I, my heart goes out to the families and I hope they can find peace. And I hope that society... Uh, can move forward in a way that prevents these things from happening again. In a way that you know we can on you know respect the tradition of the Second Amendment and the and the sanctity of the Second Amendment and still uh, you know confront these threats where we see them. And I, I think society hopefully will move in the right direction on this. Have yourselves a great day. Thank you so much for listening. Ha- look, stay armed, protect yourselves. It'll all be okay. Have a good one. Many more on the way. Hopefully we'll uh, you know be tuning in next week, y'all. So have a good week. We'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Life, Liberty, and Pursuit. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Be sure to leave us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. You can support us over on Ballistic Inc. by picking yourself up some merch. And remember, guys, dangerous freedom. Have a good one.